beyond the Jordan River. Now when Jesus, was, Jesus saw the crowd, he went up in the mountain. He sat down and his disciples came to him. He taught them saying, happy are the people who are hopeless because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are the people who, give, who grieve because they will be made glad. Happy are the people who are humble because they will inherit the earth. Happy are the people who are hungry and thirst for righteousness because they will be fed until they are full. Happy are the people who show mercy because they will receive mercy. Happy are the people who have pure hearts because they will see God. Happy are people who, are ma happy are people who make peace because they will see God's children. Happy are people whose lives are har harassed because they are righteous, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are you when people instill, instill you and harass you and speak all kinds of bad and false things about you, all because of me. Be full of joy, be glad, because you have a great reward in heaven. In the same way people have harassed the prophets who come before you. The word of God for the children of God. Thank you. Okay. So a few reminders about Matthew's gospel, if it's been a while. Matthew's gospel has a, a few themes that kind of thread throughout. It starts with the Emmanuel theme that we sing about at Advent and Christmas time, that uh, so many beautiful hymns and songs have been written about. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The gospel bookends, it ends in Matthew 28. Jesus resurrected, commissioning his disciples. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, this is uh, the thread, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we have this God with us theme all throughout Matthew's gospel. And it picks up from these themes that are threaded throughout the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, God with God's people, God traveling with God's people. And, and especially if you think about God with us, I think about Moses. Do we remember Moses? Moses is, is like famous, famous Bible. Moses is, of course, the guy who God was with. God was with Moses when he was a baby, and he saved him and was with him uh, in the pitch basket in the Reed River in Egypt. God was with Moses as an adult, meeting him surprisingly in a burning bush that was on fire but not burning. It was really confusing, and Moses just had to take his shoes off for it, right? God was with Moses when Moses became God's people's liberator calling them out in the Passover, calling them out of Egypt and slavery and sin and death into something new. God 
speaks through Moses, even though Moses has a stutter, even though he's not, he doesn't see himself as God's spokesman, God speaks through Moses. And it is, of course, Moses' face that would shine with godness, the glory of having been with God on the top of the mountain. Moses goes down the mountain, and people can barely even look at him because he's so shiny from all that divinity. God was with Moses. God was through Moses. And so when we come to the scripture that Wayne just read, that Sermon on the Mount, we, we come to the beginning of Matthew's gospel where Jesus is coming out of the wilderness, coming out of a, a season of testing, a season of, of emptiness and dryness, a season of isolation. Does this sound at all familiar, coming out of a season of all those things? And Jesus begins preaching that a change is going to come. Repent, because God's kingdom is breaking in. It's invading earth. And so Jesus starts recruiting people to help him in this mission. He recruits ordinary people. He recruits even strange and rough and unsavory people. He recruits people with weird ideas about God and politics. We don't get a lot of evidence that Jesus was actually like competing with a lot of rabbis and synagogues for disciples. He, he kind of got the bottom of the barrel and, and rejoiced in that. Jesus simply dug into his place. There's all these, all these places listed as Jesus moves throughout Galilee, around the sea, teaching and announcing and healing and casting out. And so the crowds start to follow him. And then we get our Sermon on the Mount. Just like Moses brought God's word down from the mountain, now we have this, and I think it's purposeful by Matthew, this like new Moses type who is speaking from a hillside. Matthew may have even exaggerated how big of a mountain that is. I grew up in Florida where we're mostly below sea level, and we have a city called Mount Dora that I think is like 10 feet above sea level. I, I think that's kind of what this is like for, for Matthew. He wants to drive the point home that Jesus is this new Moses, this one who is with God and who God is with, who is speaking God words. This new Moses speaks from a hillside to a ramshackle people. Some of these people are curious. Some are devout. Some have been with Jesus longer than others and plan to be with Jesus longer than others. And some just want stuff. They want to be healed. They want to see something special. They want to feel something new. So Jesus speaks a sermon on the mount. It may have been anywhere. It, it might have even been a parking lot. And God was speaking. God was with them. God shows up in strange places to strange people and speaks. This is how a, a vocative God shows up and shows off. This is something that... I often think of a famous moment from The Office when a overly seussed Pam Beasley is receiving her Dundee and she says, I feel God in this Chili's. This is how God shows up in a Chili's in a parking lot on a hillside in Galilee. God shows up. God is in this place. 
and the gospel is preached when God shows up. Good news. And instead of some message that's not really good news, that claims to be good news, some message about how we can fix ourselves or how we can hustle harder, how we can um, be better and do better, that's not the good news. And that doesn't often feel like good news, especially in times like these when we're tired, when, when we've been through it, when we just want help or we just want God to show up. The gospel is not God helps those who help themselves. It's the opposite of try harder and do better. The gospel is, in Jesus' teaching, instead a series of blessings. A series of blessings. Statements about who God is especially close to. Who God is with. That's what this is all about. Is where God is and who God is with whose lives are shaped in such a way that the kingdom of God breaks in with maybe just like a little less friction. The kingdom of God breaks in. The translation that Wayne read says, happy, happy are these people, which is maybe even a little bit more of a startling and subversive way of saying than blessed because uh, we're not even supposed to try hard to be happy. That's, if, if someone tells you that you need to try harder to be happy, that's really not good news at all, right? But, but the, 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 the teaching, the story, the, the sermon that Jesus gives is happy are those, dot, dot, dot. What if Jesus is primarily asking us not to try hard to live like this, but he's, he's just addressing the poor, addressing those who mourn? Addressing those who are meek and hungry and pure and peacemakers and persecuted. Don't try to be those. Be those. What if primarily Jesus is looking out his window and describing what the kingdom looks like from where he's standing? What the early adopters of the kingdom are like? The ones least likely become the ones most likely in Jesus' upended imagination. What would we see if we were just standing in the neighborhood right now, looking out and offering these blessings in, in the same way that Jesus offers them? Happy are people who are hopeless, i.e. the poor. Luke says, Luke says the poor. Matthew says the poor in spirit, those without hope. But Jesus says happy are those who are hopeless because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here are single moms in line at food line guys trying to get work at staff zone just up the street people at the bus stop invisible neighbors keeping a low profile because of ice raids they fit in the kingdom of god that's what jesus is saying not in the margins but right smack dab in the center that's the good news he goes on happy are people who grieve because they will be made glad Happier people who grieve. <laughs> These are people like, maybe like James Charles, who I've mentioned before, always just wants things to go back to normal. These are people who have lost friends to COVID or friends during COVID and they couldn't be there. I'm, I'm one of those people. These are people who, uh, moms who miscarry and, and have to, 
to, to grieve that continually, continually, ongoingly, never-endingly. These are new parents who can't share their joys and their sorrows. Grief lasts longer than the pandemic, but these people won't grieve anymore in God's kingdom. Happy are they. Or Jesus says, happy are people who are humble because they will inherit the earth. From where I'm standing, these are folks that are really hard to list and hard to see because they don't draw a lot of attention, humble people. These are the steady and the low, and these are the ones who are not gonna tell you all the things that they're doing to make things happen. These are janitors and cleaning crews that work at night when everyone else is gone. These are stock boys and delivery drivers and kitchen workers who never get to the front of the house. Blessed are they. They will have the keys to the kingdom. And happy are people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness because they will be fed until they're full. These are the activists, but maybe not the ones that you notice or that you're thinking of. These are the ones who have committed their lives, not just their social media accounts, to being with and to lifting up others. They hold the tension that bends that slow arc of history towards justice. They fight against evictions and homelessness, sure. They make space for refugees and immigrants. They offer help and prayers. They're not just thoughts and prayers. They offer help and prayers, and prayers still key. They've been used to waiting to eat until everyone else has some, and now they're going to get their spot at the table. Happy are they. Blessed are the hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Happy are people who show mercy because they'll receive mercy. These are folks like my neighbor just down the street who, all throughout COVID time, posted several times a week a poster board with handwritten notes on her oak tree, just as encouragement through election season, through um, pandemic, in uh, times when you didn't want to check the news, didn't want to check social media, she, she would just write something that was encouraging. And these, these were little mercies, and they made no sense, and they were ephemeral. Like, every time it rained, that poster board was gone, and a new one was going to come up. And she blessed others in these little acts of mercy. A small mercy in a time when everything was so combative and vindictive and zero-sum. And she became a merciful one. And she's blessed for it. And happy are people who have pure hearts because they will see God. I think these are the kids, mostly. These are the kids who don't know better. <laughs> these are the kids that smile at grumpy people in the checkout line, right? These are the kids whose playfulness and innocence and endless amusement at silly and ridiculous things are witnesses to faith, hope, and love. Blessed are the pure of heart. They will see God. God can't be seen right now by us, but they are living into a future and seeing God. We could go on. This is like... These are the people that are at the middle of the seesaw in this big reversal. They're closer to how things are going to be. So right, right now they're at the bottom of the barrel. For them, the kingdom reversal that is coming, that is happening, is a relief, not a threat. These are people who are stakeholders in what is becoming. 
So I, uh, in preparing for today, uh, I've, I've sent several emails to our leaders, and the main thing I was asking folks to have today and as we learn how to be together in this time are open eyes and open hands is what I, what I kept uh, coming up with. Open eyes to see and, and to see others' experience, and sometimes that experience, you only get a little bit of their eyes right above their mask to be able to tell what their experiences are, but that's part of living into this, this vision is, is seeing using your eyes and also using your hands to, to minister and to, to be God uh, for them and with them. And so this week, I want you to take these beatitudes that Jesus is speaking, these blessings on normal people in normal places, and I want you to, to try to fill them in for yourself. Like take take our, our worship guide with you and just write on it throughout the week as you think, who are these people that are pure in heart in my life, in my neighborhood, around me, from where I'm standing? How do I see the kingdom? How do I have open eyes and hands for what God is doing and how God is with us? Jesus is sharing these values of the kingdom, who and what matters and what will last. So that's the good news of the kingdom, that Jesus is with us, crucified and resurrected here in this parking lot, here in this neighborhood, here in our homes, here in our work, here with our neighbors. Jesus is with us. Here we are uh, with God stepping into this new normal together. And because that's true, because we must be with the poor, the mourning, the meek, the hungry, the mistreated, the merciful, the pure, the peacemaking, and the persecuted to be with God, that being with them, that learning from them and pronouncing God's blessing on them, despite all the evidence to the contrary, because that is true, we might also be blessed. When we're proximate to those who are blessed, we also might be blessed. So this is the vision that is going to guide us as we walk as a church together into this new normal. This is a vision that needs all of us, each of us, in our particular blessedness, which includes our particular wounds and our particular gifts. It's going to require patience. This might not go as fast as some of us want. It's going to require imagination, that there is always more happening than what meets the eye. That's what, that's what it means that the kingdom is at hand. It's going to require humility, and it's going to require hope. And mostly it's going to require showing up again and again with each other and for each other in ways that we're not used to because we haven't been able to in a long time. We're going to have to build these muscles. We're going to have to be permeable and responsive and attentive. And most of all, we're going to need to join with the least, the last, the lost, the littlest, and the closest to death, the, the people that Jesus is speaking exactly to. So this gospel of Jesus is good news. It's not good advice. It's not asking you to try harder or do better. It is a reception of a whole new normal. Breaking in in our midst, right on top of the old. It means that we're going to have new imaginations and new values and new hearts and that we're going to form a new community. And above all, the good news 
is that Jesus, the crucified and resurrected one, is with us still. That Jesus has blessed us and always blesses us, even and especially in times of poverty and grief and hopelessness. That we're called to live and work with God into this kingdom. Will you all pray with me? Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for your good news. That is is not advice about how we make our lives better, but is an offering, a blessing, something we receive and something we live into. Thanks for these blessings that are so challenging to us that um, some of which don't even make sense to us, how you could value those things or those people or those statuses. Thanks, thanks for those blessings when, when they fit us and no one else is blessing us. Lord, grow us in our capacity to see how you see and grow us in our capacity to be with you because you're with us. We thank you for all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.